0: You know, out of necessity and out of fear, two things we couldn't avoid, we were able to change some habits and change some traditions. And traditions are such a near and dear part of sports of any kind, whether it's what you wear, what you say, where you stand, where you watch it. I mean, there's so much beautiful tradition in sports. So we want to be delicate and responsible for even getting to the edge of changing any of that tradition. Actually, hopefully, let's let's back that up and say, hopefully we enhance tradition. Hopefully we preserve tradition. It's just there's some digital format that, that might have popped alongside it.
1: You're listening to Sports Tech Feed, the global sports technology podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to Sports Tech Feed. I'm your host, Thomas Loams. Great to have you joining us again this week. On today's show, we are joined by two guests. First up, we have Sue Thaden, CEO of From Now On, and then her client, David Pillan, Assistant Athletic Director Marketing at Rice University. Sue is a founder and CEO of two successful businesses, both built around cultures of service and constant growth founded a first venture client resources incorporated CRI in 1999 quickly becoming the leading partner for IT talent solutions in the Omaha region. In 2015 Sue and her team developed and released FanX, a mobile fan engagement solution aiming to be the community engagement platform for sports and events. From this a new entity was formed from now on. After five years in the market from now on now offers a mobile engagement solution serving over 90 US colleges, high schools, teams, venues and events including multiple NCAA championships David Pillen joined Rice Athletics in the spring of 2018 as the Assistant Athletic Director of Marketing. David was responsible for creating the marketing strategy and plan for Rice Athletics. He administers and oversees game presentations, special events and promotions, band and spirit groups, digital marketing, apparel and licensing, advertising, video broadcasts, creative video and design, as well as overall responsibility for increasing revenue and attendance and creating a positive and exciting game day atmosphere. David came to Rice after spending four and a half years at Louisiana Tech University, One is the director of video production and creative services and three and a half is the assistant AD for marketing. The first half of today's discussion, we look at the FanX platform uh, and then second half, we really dive into more about how the collegiate sports system, especially in the US, is really a localized ecosystem and how it operates, how it drives values for these local communities. And of course, how technology can play a role in that, uh, which is an incredibly important topic as these universities, these local communities uh, look to recover from COVID. Because something that's really lost in a lot of this coverage usually is that it's not just the the Texases of the world, um, although I am a big fan. It's the smaller colleges dotted all across the US that really need to use fans to to survive uh, and to thrive and, and what that means for those communities so really important discussion looking at something that's not often talked about as much uh, in terms of that second band behind those uh, those big power five schools and great to have sue and david uh, chatting about that today as always i'm your host thomas Loams. thanks for joining us on sports tech feed sue thaden ceo from now on and david pillin assistant ad marketing rice university welcome to sports tech feed great to have you on the show. Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, thanks Thomas. I was looking forward to spending some time with you and David today, so thank you.
2: So, well, first off, we'll start with uh, start with Sue talking a little bit about your FanX platform. So, one of the products of From Now On. So, what are you enabling customers to achieve uh, with the platform?
0: At the core, it's really a marketing and communication platform for athletic departments. And we're just seeing some really cool stuff for the big schools, the little schools. Every school, every program has neat, cool stuff to communicate. To promote, whether it be promoting, uh, generating revenue through promoting ticketing or promoting cool merchandise or just different promotions about, again, the cool things they're doing. Schools really tell us we've tried to steer away from it, but they keep bringing us back to your great one stop shop for all things for uh, one sport, one athletic department, one university for game day.
2: Yeah. So, all kind of game day focused um, activations. So, I mean that was that was your your turn, Sue. I'm um, I'm sorry, but you're a little bit biased, obviously. So we're going <laughs> to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak, with David. I mean, what value do you see at Rice University um, with Fanex?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think from from day one. Um, I don't know if many people know this, but uh, my I was I was uh, from now on second uh, client basically, and so we started at Louisiana Tech, um, and then. Uh, we, when I moved to Rice, um, Rice university is in Houston. And so I was born or not born in Houston, born in Nebraska, but have a lot of Nebraska ties and grew up in Houston. But, um, within all of that, um, I think it says a lot when you want to, uh, you know, hire somebody for the second time, essentially, right. You, you rehire somebody. And so it's the same thing with, uh, from now on, um, as far as the, the platform goes in just them as an organization, I think ultimately it came down to just having flexibility and reliability. Um, it wasn't something where, Hey, they just said, here you go. This is what you're going to get. Um, this is the technology you're going to use. And that's, that's all you're going to get. Um, it's been uh, an evolving relationship and the, the needs and things that we need to be able to, uh, communicate and, and use technology to our advantage and, and connect with our fans and our constituents. They're able to work with us to implement, uh, you know, new ways and, and new strategies and, and new techniques to be able to do that. Um, and so, you know, we've had a, a pretty long-standing relationship, um, but it's, it's ultimately due to their, their platform being as flexible as it can be for any partner to to use it and, and to their needs that they need to be able to use it. Um and then just the reliability aspect of it. Um you know their customer service is is tremendous and they're you know with us every step of the way with whatever we need. And so um you can't ask much uh better than that. So
2: all right. Well we'll we'll we'll
1: have enough of the love in because that was that
2: was very glowing on either side. I, I want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. So um, David, can you kind of describe Rice University's athletic program, um, size of the school, who you're engaging with, who your partners are? You know, the main kind of revenue sources. Obviously, um, for people that are familiar from Texas, you know, even from the US, would understand a program like Rice. But globally, where maybe people just think of Texas, you know, big, essentially, you know, bigger than a lot of professional teams um their needs are obviously very different to your needs so what are your needs when it comes to fan engagement when it comes to revenue generation all that kind of stuff
1: yeah so like you mentioned rice uh universities in houston um our student body is around four thousand uh on campus and, and whatnot and so we are our enrollment and our our campus body is just smaller in general um but we're a top tier academic school and, and we play top tier athletics. And so uh, we, we believe that we have world-class student athletes and that um, uh, honestly at Rice, you can literally have it all. Um, you can compete at the highest level in the classroom and in competition. Um, and so w- within that um, there's, there's actually a pretty funny stat um, and you know, just to, Uh, add to your question, Um, when I first got to Rice, the stat I would always hear is um, Rice University's entire living alumni base is the exact same amount as Texas A&M's annual enrollment on campus. So when you think about that, it kind of puts it in perspective on, you know, just where we are at in terms of size and whatnot. Um, But you know, to your question, I don't think that um, it's like one versus the other. Right. I, I think when it comes to the sense of technology and our sports and our and our goals and everything that we're doing from an organizational standpoint, they're very much in line in the same that Texas A&M or Nebraska or Ohio State or TCU or anybody else is is doing and what their goals are, and so you know we are actively pursuing any and all revenue generation opportunities. We're actively pursuing every single uh, marketing strategy and advertising strategy, um, and able to engage and, and find new fans and and engage and and continue to cultivate our current fans and and, and constituents, and so. Um, the FanX platform um, is just part of that strategy. Um, it's just, it's built into everything that we do. I mean, we when you think about the consumer, right? Um, the the fan and the consumer, it doesn't change. If you go to a small school or a big school, they're the same type of person, um, and they they expect the same uh, type of information to be delivered to them. Um, and so, so it's just how we go about it, and and having, you know, I think Sue says it, it just a uh, uh, something, you know, basically having everything, everybody has a phone in their pocket, right? Um, but uh, being able to, to have those touch points with people, you know, we're calling them, we're emailing them, we're sending out social media and, and content marketing and and paid advertising and, and just, you know, anything we can do to get everybody down through the funnel and, and, and get them engaged with our organization. Um, That's what we're, that's what we're constantly, uh, striving towards every single day and having a mobile app, um, be able to send notifications and, and engage with them with unique ways and trivia and enter the wins and, um, all of those different types of things to be able to, um, you know, engage with them and connect with them wherever they are. Um, that's, that's kind of how it folds into everything and what we use it for.
2: Yeah. And so, Sue, what are some of the examples of what you've seen? And, and I mean, David listed some of those examples in the sense of um, like trivia and stuff like that. What are some examples of the fan engagement piece behind this that, that drives people to the mobile app, that drives them then to, you know, various sources of revenue for the schools, whether that's game day tickets, merchandising um, or, you know, good old-fashioned advertising, getting eyeballs on, on their products. Um, what are some examples of the tools that are used or techniques for fan engagement in that space?
0: Yeah, there's been so many cool things, and each school has um, a lot of similarities and then some very unique. So, a lot of what schools do is use this channel for what they're already doing. So, I'll kind of start at the least exciting but impactful, high impact. Uh, so, like a BOGO, buy one get one free. You know, or we win, you win. At the end of the game, let's say we had a full stadium. As you're walking out, we have Geofence technology, and boom, you get a notification on your home screen. It says, We win, you win. Go to Burger Join XYZ, you get one burger and one burger free. So schools are using that to really reach fans and have it right in their pocket and right available to create unique experiences. I went to the game, I get the BOGO, this is pretty cool. We also see a lot of merchandise, You know, thanks for coming to the game today, 10% off merchandise, second half, and then it can map you to the different merchandise stands, again, for participating. COVID, uh, as much as we'd like it to be over, I guess it's not. So we launched a trivia product um, out of our innovation lab in in March when this hit, we said, oh man, We've been building technology to create special in-venue experiences, reward you for going. Empty seats, don't buy hot dogs. We need full seats buying hot dogs and, and shirts and jerseys and everything. So we flipped our roadmap on, on its year a little bit with the help of our customers and said, all right, now we have addressable fans, no games, no, no fresh content. We have sponsors that need love. Sponsors want to be still in front of these people. So we built a trivia product pretty quickly in about 60, 90 days and launched it. And basically what it did is it fed the soul of a school being able to, on Tuesday, send out a fun trivia notification on the home screen. It says, Hungry for Trivia fans? You buy so-and-so's chicken house. So you got a sponsor, getting a little love, playing fun with the Hungry for Trivia. They click, they might answer three trivia questions about the team they follow, maybe How many Heisman have we had? How many bowl games have we been to? Whatever it might be, depending on the sport you follow. Then at the end, you land on a leaderboard and probably like a 10% off at that chicken house that was the home screen sponsor. So we've seen schools do cool stuff. During the shutdown of events, when we were trying to create neat things, schools were doing a lot of that. They've continued it. A lot of schools have kind of made that a routine. You know, We're all products of uh, habit. So still doing a lot of trivia and things like that. Um, yeah, again, like I said, the BOGO, the we win, you win, a lot of use of what they're already doing. We're seeing a lot of schools really pump that through the platform to, again, take the sponsor opportunity and make it richer through the digital channel, ideally reach more people, more activation, more results, and generate revenue for the school and and uh, celebrate fans.
2: Mm. So, I mean, you mentioned, like, the elephant in the room is, is COVID, obviously, when it comes to match day engagement, match day experience, all that kind of stuff. What have you seen since... Uh, I guess 2020, and now we're kind of bleeding into 2021. But um, as a result of COVID 19, what changes, trends are you seeing in the industry? I mean, maybe start with David Sue. You mentioned one about um, you know they're continuing things that they did previously. Activations is that something that's has it changed your thinking dramatically in in how you're serving your
1: fans? I don't think it's it's changed dramatically. I think it's just accelerated the the force. Of adoption in in which we go about using it, um, and, and, and I mean the most one of the most basic ones for us is probably uh, you know mobile ticketing. You know, for the longest time, uh, we just couldn't really you know t- get, take over the next step. You know, rip the Band-Aid off to just push through and say, okay, from now on, from here forward, everybody's just going to have mobile ticketing. Um, but you're seeing that now um, as a result of COVID. And, and so I think it's just really COVID has allowed us to uh, break through the the barrier of um, adoption of technology. And so, I mean, you know, now now a, a phone call almost seems archaic, right? You have to FaceTime your Zoomy uh, in order to, to communicate things. Um, and so I, we're doing more of that. We're, we're. We're meeting more. We're we're able to connect with people in a much more scalable way, and so I think, um, you know, it's all it's all been good, good things. Um, even though COVID hasn't been good, um, and so I think that's the one silver lining that that has come out of this is just it's really helped us, especially right. We're we're smaller, so, um, and and smaller staff, right. Um, we don't have I'm kind of a one-stop shop place and have to do a lot of things uh, wear a lot of different hats right and so um, the technology piece allows me to do things a lot more efficiently um, get a lot more things done uh, in a quicker time frame and then reach a lot more people than I probably would have uh, initially mm. before COVID
2: yeah and I think that's something that is probably true across sports Is is mm-hmm. looking at but it has forced a lot of these organisations to look at, well, how have we previously done things? Is that a sustainable um, or efficient way of doing it? And certainly with conversations with a lot of the larger schools, for instance, that the majority of their revenue is from game day ticketing, um, whether that's season passes, whether it's, you know, luxury suites, all that kind of stuff. Um, and the way they did that was just throwing people at it. So you would just have a, a you know, a cast of thousands um, a lot of interns just on the phones, just going at it, kind of boiler room stuff. Let's just call this list of alum we've got, start with RNA, and Aardvark and work our way down. Um, and that's something that's been looked at and going, well, is there a better way? Is there a better way to have a, a, a continuous, meaningful engagement with our fans um, and to drive them? So is that something that you've seen as well, Sue, kind of across uh, your other clients um, working with the platform?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, that, that, like you said, the boiler room approach with all the interns making calls. But we all know that we're all more likely to buy something in specific moments of, you know, this is a great moment. You're gonna sell me a t-shirt. We just want, I'm buying one. I might buy three, I'm gonna buy one for my neighbor. I'm so excited, this is awesome. Same with tickets. You know, at the end of the season, let's do a notification: click here to get your tickets for next season. Or uh, we've got two games at home this week. Let's click here to buy your double package for the week. Um, so the, we do see schools using the platform to promote ticketing, using still using the the intern dial. There's people that want to be called, and they appreciate being valued and respected by that call from the athletic department. And you know, like David was saying, you know, right now we've all seen it, and I I know I've heard it on your show. Here, Thomas, that the speed of technology through COVID, you know, out of necessity and out of fear, two things we couldn't avoid, um, we were able to change some habits and change some traditions. And traditions are such a near and dear part of sports of any kind, whether it's what you wear, what you say, where you stand, where you watch it. I mean, there's so much beautiful tradition in sports. So we want to be delicate and responsible for even getting to the edge of changing any of that tradition. Actually, hopefully, let's let's back that up and say, hopefully, we enhance tradition. Hopefully, we preserve tradition. It's just there's some digital format that that might have popped alongside it. So, what we what we've seen through COVID, of course, uh, listen, listen, listen. If you listen to your customers, you pay attention to what they're dealing with, and you address to their concerns, you can be successful and, and be a high valued partner. But we did it you know, as you can imagine, a digital journey of the fan day. So hey, I might be riding a so uh, an Uber. I might be parking digital parking pass. Nobody touches each other. Touches money. Digital ticket, like David said, nobody touches each other, touches money. Um, Digital program, hey, who just ran that 50-yard touchdown or who's that player? What's his live stats bio? Oh my gosh, how exciting. He's from a town near mine. And then food and beverage, man, let's, let's cut the lines and make people safe. So they'll buy stuff, they'll come back, they'll have that hot dog. They quote, only eat at the game, my game day food. So food and beverage, click and order. Text you when it's in the pickup window, we minimize some contact and some spacing and wandering. And same with merchandise. I want to an owls, I want to wear my rice owls jersey and I didn't bring one. Let me order one and have a quick pickup. And so we really took it as our responsibility as a partner to our schools that we work with um, at all levels and conferences and the NCAA and say, how do we remove any contact points we can so people feel safe to come back? So what that did. Is it it changed some habits and whether they're here to stay or not time will tell if we make it really, really convenient together if we make it really valuable and You know, just through the wallet you're able to still save that ticket back that people live and enjoy right there, maybe next to a picture of your kids or whatever. Um, I I think we could advance and a lot of people might feel even better later with how much simpler we've made the experiences together with schools. We've seen some really cool, schools have amazing inventory of video, of podcasts, through COVID, you know, they were doing like uh, podcasts of players' favorite playlist for a workout, you know, follow Johnny from the soccer team's uh, favorite playlist for a workout. So we've seen schools really pump some really cool video playlists through our video library. Uh, some some podcasts listen to the coach there's no game this week but we're still doing a Tuesday coaches show and it's pretty cool to hear him talk about the recruits or the women or the guys or whatever so there's been a lot of people on their toes responsibly trying to keep that connection which now I hope we're in a better spot but you know those things a lot of good stuff will stick around as a result of that we'll all be just slightly stronger or much stronger I guess debatable right
2: (laughs) yeah and something that struck me is talking about, especially uh, collegiate sports um, in the US, which is probably similar to lower level, uh, say like championship and below in like um, in English football or whatever the club sports in, in Australia is. It's very much about the local community and it is very localized. So, I mean, even in the big schools, you mentioned Texas A&M, that's out in College Station, which is in the direct middle of nowhere. Try will get some angry Texans telling me. It's- <laughs>
1: Beautiful.
2: Beautiful. <laughs> There's nothing else there apart from the university, but in terms of what it means for those communities. And that was one of the hardest things for COVID for these college, you know, schools, these these what it means for the local, local economy. Like you said, you know, the example of such and such burger joint or such and such chicken shack or whatever that is, they're local businesses, usually small to medium businesses, that rely on that physical presence um, at the game and afterwards. So it's not a Uh, like insert big telecommunications company here, you know, with what a huge franchise. It's these groups of of local businesses. And my question for David is um, with those connections, how responsive are they to technology in the sense of you can kind of put this with a school, push it to your fans. um, But really, I mean, the ones that are from the sponsor side and the local sponsors that might not be as, Tech advanced as um, as other organizations. How have they responded to this?
1: Well, I was going to add on to what Sue was saying, just to kind of about the, the traditions of things, right? Um, the the thing that I love most about this industry and is is really our bread and butter. Um, you go anywhere in college athletics and in any college or university um, around. Is the tradition, right? Um, there, there's no other industry in America or in the the UK or anything like that um, that has a fight song and an alma mater, right? And so you go all the way back to the the start of things, and and that's the the core of our marketing and, and branding taglines and whatnot. And like that's what our our battle cries are, and that's what our fans and constituents. Um, resonate with and that's why they're part of what we do um, and why we do what we do um, and and so within all that I'm a, I'm a traditionalist myself I'm, I'm much more traditional than probably most people but there's nothing wrong with adding a, a modernized twist to what we do with our traditions right and so this is just kind of adding to all that and so from a sponsor like you said, from a sponsor standpoint, they are, they're very much um, um, acceptable to it uh, because we're, we're creating more value for them. Right. I think, you know, from, from my chair of things, I'm always looking at how can we create more value for our partners um, and our fans, but um, you know, how much more in, you know, instead of just having a wall sign at baseball, okay, now we can get you know, a sponsor in front of ten thousand more fans through our mobile app, right? And so that just creates more inventory and more value for them. Um, and so that's kind of the way I look at it: is anybody's going to be acceptable to something when you add more value to it?
2: Mm. And uh, I mean, kind of rounding that that conversation out, where where to next? So you either- know. David or Sue, whoever wants to jump in, but what's, what's in the, uh, what's on the horizon?
0: As far as sponsors or.
2: Oh, no, just everything.
1: Let's go big picture. Moonshot. What are we we talking? Where's it, where's it going? Well, when are we taking people to the moon next?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I'm, you know what, I'm a I've been in the technology space for 25 years and I'm, I'm a firm believer in land and expand You know, you got to land what's working and expand to where the fan is, maybe a little bit beyond them to where the retail purchaser is or, you know, Netflix. Let's just get slightly beyond what I want out of my Netflix relationship, but not too far past it. That said, um, I think we're all compared to the best technology anybody uses. So if my favorite technology has something to do with uh, a reminder system on my phone, which I am a big reminder person, so I can just stay in the moment. Then I want everything to be that good. So a lot of what we're, as you, I'm not a, um, a, by any means, would I not fancy myself a technology visionary, but I would say a consumer behavior is more of where I look. And as we all get less, less patient, less interested in what we're not interested in and more focused on what matters to us, predictive analytics is going to drive so much of what we look at when we look at it. I mean, there's some, there's some negative, of course, to all of that. But if we're all responsible and well-intended, there's tons of positive to a lot of predictive analytics and technology that can get us what we want it, when we want it. You know, we've all had this situation where we're in our room with our Alexa and we mentioned, you know, I need a, a new jacket and Patagonia is all over my screen for the next seven days showing me every jacket that's coming out this spring. So I think that the more convenience we can make technology for all of our lifestyle decisions, whether it's the fridge telling me, You know, our our almond milk is almost empty and we need more eggs. You know, all of those technologies that just make your life easier. I don't know if I even think of them as fancy state-of-the-art. They're consumer behavior demanded. You know, we're all just going to want more, want easier, simpler, you know, think less. I I don't know. I guess during COVID, I think we all hopefully slowed down a little, admire the loving things in our lives a little differently. Um, But I still think at the end of the day, uh, the consumer behavior is going to drive the technology to make our lives as simple and and specialized as they can as it can whether it's in sports with all the amazing advancements with with sports and and or whether it's in you know retail or whatever market it's in all of them have to go rapidly to being high value to us as consumers is is it seems a lot of what i keep seeing and keep trying to pay attention to
2: yeah definitely the uh, personalization piece is is massive especially as Artificial intelligence and predictive analytics, as you said, kind of catches up with
0: yeah.
2: expectations to be able to, to push that forwards. Uh, and David, yourself, what um you what's what do you think is on the horizon? What do you want to be on the horizon? Kind of what's what's up next? What would solve some pain points for you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think about this a lot. Um, and as you mentioned, I think it is a lot of consumer behavior and then the technology will adapt to what those behaviors are. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of more, um, emphasis placed on the foundational pieces of things. Right. And so, you know, I don't think we're in the, the, you know, 20 plus years of not having fans, right. I think next year, we're going to be back to having full stadiums and, and things like that, but, uh, people are still going to expect to be able to access their phones and access things whenever they want to, and not have technical difficulties in doing that and so uh even now more than ever we've got to figure out okay how do we get legitimate stable wi-fi in the stadium and, and be able to have fans be able to communicate while they're in the stadium or what other luxury items are we adding to all the seats in the stands you know are, is, does every seat have a, a mini tv in it now or something like that or you know so what are those things that we're going to continue to modernize our stadiums um any experiences for our fans so that they can still uh, communicate and interact and engage with us. Um, So that's a lot, a lot that I think about. I think another piece too is just, you know, Sue's mentioned it. there's been just a rapid um, increase in just our intellectual property in general. And so I think there's, there's going to be a new wave of revenue generation around all of our intellectual property and and what that content looks like and and what people are willing to purchase and buy off of that um when it used to just be all tied up in tv and media rights so yeah
2: yeah, yeah. great well uh before we go final question for both of you uh maybe starting with sue and then go to david is what's your favorite sporting moment of all time <laughs>
0: Uh, David, uh, so Nebraska football fan, Nebraska volleyball fan, uh, Nebraska alum. 1998, I went to the Orange Bowl. Nebraska, back in the day, I know nobody can believe it was 12-0. They played Tennessee. So it was Scott Frost against uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Osborne's final game. And we won. So my favorite memory is being in that stadium. I think I think everyone around us cried and probably got kicked out because we we just weren't gonna let the moment end <laughs> in Florida. Awesome. We won. That would def- definitely.
2: There you go. That, that was
1: that was that was the Fiesta Bowl, right?
2: <laughs> is that the Orange Bowl, or the Fiesta? Bowl? It
1: was it Orange or Fiesta? It doesn't one? matter.
2: We'll we we'll, we'll look it up. <laughs> I, I, I all
1: I, all I do know is uh she may have been at the game but one of those uh 1990s uh national championship games i ate a lot of tostitos uh chips so
0: <laughs> you're a player yeah.
1: so you're living
2: proof that, that um that it works that marketing um you know really embracing your role there that that, that it works yeah exactly
1: for payback. Um, and david what's your favorite
2: sporting moment of all
1: time man that's that's tough um I mean, I, I'm going to have to go back to probably just my experience as a student athlete. Um, you know, I, play, I did play football at the University of Nebraska um, at my freshman year, and then I transferred to Abilene Christian. Um, and so my uh, my junior year at, at ACU, uh, we were conference champions, went 11-0 in, in first time in school history. And so um, probably that last game uh, – was pretty pretty neat and a highlight of kind of a lot of culmination of just a lot of hard work and effort um, and determination and all that throughout the year. So um, a special team at, at Abilene Christian.
2: Awesome, fantastic, and um, obviously Abilene Christian, the the newly minted uh, basketball powerhouse, after <laughs> knocking out Texas. So well, well now, long and, long and as I
1: was. Yeah, and as I was saying that, I was like, "Well, maybe that is my new favorite sports moment is is ACU knocking off the University of Texas in the in the NCAA tournament." I was I was pretty. You can ask my wife. I was pretty. Uh, I don't get. I'm I'm pretty even keeled, but I was uh, jumping up and down in the living room that night.
2: Yeah, well, there you go. I think um, I think there's there's a lot of people that want to throw horns down and go after Texas. You've actually got a connection to Abilene Christian, so. You've got an excuse rather than just being a party wrecker like a lot of others,
1: <laughs>
2: you know. So, but we're we're heading into the final bit, and there's you know, time will tell. I'm sure by the time this release, we'll know who it is. But um, Touchwood, I'm going for U of H. So we'll we'll see how it goes, and there's some solid Texas schools in there with Baylor as well. Although obviously only one. Oh, uh, so, but
1: and not, and not not to add any more to it, but uh, the Rice Owls volleyball team. Did knock off and hand the University of Texas their first loss uh, in volleyball last week as well. So there you go. There you go.
2: Well, I, I've got
1: through my father-in-law, I've got a million one
2: jokes about University of Texas and and Rice and all that kind of stuff. And I always tell him, uh, "What's someone from University of Houston and someone from Rice University? What do they have in common?" They both applied to Rice University, and you can just apply that 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 joke. <laughs> <laughs> and Texas University of Texas got in common they both both applied to Texas so there you go just recycle that yep as much as you want down yeah so there you go we've just turned to trash talking so it's probably a good time to to end the interview but thank you so much um, for your perspectives on that and and also just a final thought is saying fantastic to have college sports back um, like I said what it means to so many people as fans but also what it means to these local communities um, across the U.S. Is, is just enormous so thank you so much for your time and um, great to talk to you.
0: Thank you Thomas very much great to see you David.
2: Thanks so much. There you have it. That was Sue Aiden, CEO of From Now On and David Pillen, Assistant AD Marketing at Rice University. As I said in the opening, hugely important what these, uh, these college athletic departments do for these local communities, both in terms of the alumni that are obviously very passionate uh, about their team, but then also people that interact with the schools and maybe not as much in a, in a big town like Houston um, where Rice is located, but certainly in some of the more rural areas or kind of more localized schools, it's, it's really big. So it, it's beyond just the business of it, but it's something that technology can really help with driving that van engagement, giving people that great experience, making those connections, and then obviously uh, monetizing it, making sure that it can pay for those programs and they continue for many, many years into the future. If you have enjoyed this episode, then uh, definitely subscribe on uh, iTunes if, if that's your platform or on Spotify. You can also go to sportstechworldseries.com forward slash newsletter and that's our newsletter and you will get an update about the podcast episode as it comes out every two weeks so you don't miss uh, miss a beat on that and also some great news about what's happening in the industry. I've been your host Thomas Alomes looking forward to joining you again on another episode of Sports Tech Feed. (laughs)